Sheets. We're back, everybody. New studio. New studio recording. Different coast. Different whole setup. Different We're, kitchen. Different background. We don't have a um, basketball hoop in our background right now. Not that anybody ever sees what we do on video, but different life. Yeah. Let's discuss, Jacqueline, since our last recording, which was with the unstoppable Rachel Blumenthal from Rockets of Awesome. We have moved all the way across the country to California with our kids. We remembered our kids uh, and our dog, and we are here in Northern California. And it has been, to say it's been a whirlwind of a week and a half, two weeks is an understatement, but um, we landed and it feels really Really good. Yeah. Now just the three of us are here in the studio. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there's been some really trying moments. I mean, just because. You well, know, you didn't ask who's the third that's in the studio. Is it us. Bird or Doug? No. Oh, my sty. It's the sty on yeah. your eye that is traveled with us. Quick story. Got to California. Story. Well, got to California, started feeling a little bit of a sensation in my left eye another human living on your a mini me with its own organs yeah there's a mini scott (laughs) it's been a it's been a stressful trying stretch i've spent a lot of time in urgent care obviously i don't have a doctor out here yet if there are any great doctors in the san anselmo california area who want to treat a guy that has a lot of random ailments sometimes uh not a hypochondriac i think that you just want to say you're sorry to everybody that you've met yeah. Along the way here in this last I'm, week. Yeah, I'm sorry for they the, have met, yeah. you know, one and a half of you. Yeah. And they should know that like in the future when we're hanging out, it's really just just you. They don't get the second guy because we're hopeful that this guy's gonna fall <laughs> go away. Just le- just leak out at some point. No, that's so gross, Scott. Not leak out, just more like fall off the cliff. Yeah. Fall off the <laughs> my eyelid cliff. That's yeah, right. it's it's um I do want to apologize to all the people that I've met and made a horrible first impression with. I was very excited about meeting a lot of great people here. I've made no eye contact with anybody. I've worn sunglasses in inappropriate places and times. Uh, inside, uh, sundown, I've continued to wear sunglasses to avoid any sort of, what's going on with this guy's uh, bulging <laughs> third eye? Uh, anyway, we've spent too much time on my sty, but I do, uh, I want to say that um, our podcast released the last time we did this, we were kind of like building up, you know, first three so we could release them in a bunch. And uh, we've gotten a really great reaction. People are like telling me all the time, I listen to your podcast on the way into work. I was laughing my ass off and I cried at one point and I was like, well, wow. we have something. Yeah. I mean, I you don't have know. a fan, one fan. <laughs> no, <laughs> one I said people. Thank you. I said Thank people you for listening to us. Yeah. Um, but it's been, it's been fun. And, uh, you know, we, we pushed it out on state and there's a big couple months ahead of us. Jacqueline, would you, you know like what? to get actually, into it? I was it? thinking, no, I was actually thinking like, it would be funny. Remember how we used to have that one customer, don't say her name. I know she is. Um, but we used, she used to buy like a whole bunch of state bags every single time we released a new collection. Don't say her name. Are you referring to Jennifer no, G? No, I'm not referring to Jennifer G. Oh, I'm I know ta- I'm, you know who I'm talking about. Actually, a lot of people out there who are listening to this podcast pro- that know us 
probably know who we're talking about, but we're not going to mention her name regardless. We've always talked about taking a zip card to her house because we have her address. Yes. And just knocking on the door to say thank you. Yeah. So that one fanalo that you mentioned, mm-hmm. you guys better watch out. If you tell us you like this podcast, we will much, show we up will at your house. A zip car. <laughs> we will show up at your house. I don't get the See, zip car. Why do we, we need we a different a car. car? We didn't have a car. We didn't have we because we would we didn't have a car. Oh, so, so we talked about getting a zip car. Not you, okay? Because you weren't a part of the conversation. But oh, I mean, you were part of the overall conversation, but not the little part about getting the zip car. So anyway, okay. I like being what brought I'm trying in to say really is, late to this. If you're a fan, you better watch out because we could show up at your front door. And we will make you a t-shirt with our faces on it Yeah, for you to wear everywhere to show your love for the podcast. So thank you. Jack, why don't you talk about what's coming for State? Because you have been on nonstop desk side Zooms with editors of all different types and publications. And you're talking about something that's on the horizon, which is BTS. And that doesn't mean behind the scenes, although... Yeah, things are heating up. Yeah. We're getting hot. Cooking, starting to cook. Starting to cook. Yeah. Um, so we're in June, which means that we're just at the tip of back to school, mm-hmm. which is the most exciting time in state bags uh, in the year. It's our Super Bowl. So totally. um, just very excited to gear up because we never know what's going to happen. You never know you what's going to be know. the winning bags like which is going like, to sell out what in it's going to be like you just have no idea it's like every year it's totally different with like celebrities or the press hits or all this stuff that happens in the back to school time frame it's very exciting i cannot wait um and i will say that in eight days i am flying out of jfk to lax with eight students from east new york brooklyn two teachers from their school two videographers, and we are meeting a tour guide and a bus driver, a van driver for what we are calling the Travel Academy, which I am so excited about. It is going to be so life-changing for these kids. We have a jam-packed trip going northern, starting in Southern California, heading up to Northern California. Hollywood studio tours, college campus tours, kayaking in the Channel Islands, Big Sur, Mere Woods, Alcatraz, um, a Giants, uh, baseball game, day game. Like I, I just, it, these kids, most of them have never been on a plane before. And we're going to send them to California for a trip that I'm going to be with them every step of the way. And we're doing it with our good friends at Puzzle International, which is going to be just the coolest experience, not only for the kids, but for the adults too. And I was on a Zoom with all the families last week, meeting everybody. And the resounding comments from the parents were, can we come? We, I've never been, they were saying, I've never been to California. Why is my kid getting to go before me? This is so crazy. And so I like, I just, I can't wait for this to happen. It's been a long time coming and, uh, and here we are almost a week out. So a lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on. So like a double, double whammy. We got back to school, travel Academy, and, you know, it's yeah. just going to create a beautiful fusion. Honestly, the guests that we have today who had to postpone a couple of weeks, not only because of our move, but because of COVID reasons and stuff. He's, he's great now, um, is one of my favorite humans on the planet. And I, I just, I'm so excited that he had time for this and he agreed to this because I have asked him to do a zillion things in our lifetime together. And he was down and he was free. So I'm bringing him in. Um, and this is going to be a great conversation. One of the best conversationalists 
that I know in the entire world, right? Yeah, no, I could talk to you sure. could talk to Rick Wagner for hours. So I always do the intro part a little bit messed up because I know I'm supposed to like not get too personal or whatever, but I'm going to mix it with a little bit of personal and a little bit of professional because this guy changed my life for so many reasons on so many levels. But when I saw him doing his thing in East Harlem, I always, I West Harlem or East? East Harlem. East Harlem mm-hmm. at Miss Green's school. Need a mop. I was, <laughs> I was mesmerized. I was like, I don't know who this guy is and who his, his sidekick is over there, but I'm going to find a way to introduce myself and we're going to work together in some way. That ended up happening. We ended up starting Camp Power together, which was a 14-year phenomenon that served thousands of kids, uh, which was an idea literally conceptualized by, by myself, him, and a friend of ours. Um, and then I just proceeded to, like, we just became closer and closer in so many ways. And I watched him hustle in ways that I don't think I've ever seen anybody in my life do it like this. Like, just working so hard in so many different facets of kind of a, a, in a work world. Right. So like he's running after school programs, he's um, you know, teaching this, he's, he's starting a business. He started a business called project game time, which he'll talk about, but I have seen it in action and I've seen it like change full staffs. I've seen it change like camps. I've seen it change businesses. I've seen it in conference settings. Um, Not to mention, I was the officiant of his wedding, which is still one of the biggest honors of my entire life. And yes, it was during the heat of COVID and I was wearing 12 masks during the actual ceremony, but nobody got sick. The two lovebirds got successfully married, have had a baby since then. This guy is a father of three, an incredible father of three. Um, and is now is now not only a musical producer and is a recording artist, and he has been for a long, long time, but he is a college professor in Florida. This guy's journey is unlike anybody else. <laughs> what can't you do? Rick Wagner, please, please stand up. Please stand up. I mean, dude, I just can't tell you how happy I am to be doing this with you right now. I feel like. I don't know. Our friendship and our relationship is so layered and there's just so much, there's so, there's so many cool facets to it. And I just, I love where you've become and I love where you started. So welcome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Man of many words. So Rick, tell us where, where you, where are you right now? And like, what's happening in your current life before we get into like your full journey? Sure. Um, I am a resident of Tampa, Florida, working at uh, the University of South Florida as the director of contemporary and commercial music, which is a fancy way to say that I am designing an undergrad program for students that want to be musicians um, and learn the music of today that's relevant to them and also be innovators and entrepreneurs. So um, 
I don't know. Can I cut you off? Can I cut you off? Because was this a program before you came or they scouted you out and found you and you like basically created this from nothing? I have a feeling it's, it's, (laughs) you know, it was, it was a scout move. It was a scout move. I got a random email. I thought it was agent Smith from the matrix. I thought it was time to return to Zion. But then I find out that, um, you know, one of the many facets that, you know, I do, you know, my conferences, I'm all over the place. I'm doing workshops here, workshops there. Um, one of the uh, one a college professor saw me in Colorado. And when this program was in its thought process and the dean over at USF was trying to scout and find out who could lead a program like this. Um, and Fennel, shout out to you. Um, and Fennel said. You have got to get Rick. This is the person for the job. It's the person for the program. It says a million people in my life. Like when they see you do your thing, they're like, who the hell is this guy? What is he doing? Where can I get in touch with him? Right. Do you think that you got like your, um, your, you found your love for what you're doing from Camp Power from the, what was the special that he used to run? The. Um, the Wild and Out. Wild and Out. You think you got your footing from Wild and Out at Camp Power? <laughs> I think that um, my love for, for youth development, music, and all of these things were from young person. Like I grew up playing the saxophone in middle school, so this was always something that was, um, you know, a passion of mine. Um, entertainment, like put it in that bubble, entertainment, youth development, right? So I think that um, all of these experiences, especially Camp Power, I think Camp Power was definitely, I would say, a beta test of how I could combine all of these talents and use it to engage in and build youth, you know, keep them smiling, keep them happy, keep them active, those things. So much of what you do that's so powerful. I think not only comes from heart and good energy, but it comes from rhythm, you know, like even project game time and all the things that you do that you come to, you know, when you go to these, how I know it in a lot of ways is you would go into some of these camps, you know, um, these overnight camps across the country and come in to hype up the staff and get them excited about this, the um, upcoming summer and all that stuff. And I feel like a lot of those things had to do with rhythm and like excitement and energy that came behind music. So it's really telling that this is where you've landed, you know, like all of those, all of those pieces um, have really led you to be here. I think that's so cool. I appreciate it. And I agree. I feel like there has always been an internal rhythm with me. And I, I feel like all of us as, as beings, period, we have an internal rhythm and and some rhythms live on different frequencies than others. And I feel like the frequency that I'm on is one that translates to different people um, and it communicates differently to different people. But the engagement piece is the same. And, and, and the transfer of that energy is the reason why I feel like I've become successful. I have dedicated my whole life to figuring out how to put what I do into words as far as like walking on into a camp or walking into a conference room and engaging that crowd, you really can't describe it. It's really, it's, it's a frequency and it's a frequency of truth and honesty and rhythm, to be honest with you. So, you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and people feel me on that. 
So, Rick, can I still call you Rick or is it Mr. Wagner now? Uh, you could call me Rick. If you want to call me Mr. Wagner, you got to pay me $50. <laughs> I might have to pay $50 anyway. I'm sure you'll, you'll <laughs> you, you will get an invoice after the podcast. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So, <laughs> so the purpose of this podcast is like there's a lot of entrepreneurial podcasts out there that are like, it kind of glorifies the whole experience and it feels like very sparkly and very like perfect. And, and the journey is so beautiful. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, it's not like Jack and I, have just, we, we talk about all the time. Like it was a shit show for us. It still is. Also, like, can you believe how close we're sitting right now? So close. Like how many One years mic. have you guys been, have you been seeing us like connected just too close by the shoulder? It's yeah. really unbelievable that we're still much. married. Right. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, you can end it there. So, um, so the whole the whole point of this is to like get real, right? And to talk about like that sometimes it's not perfect, and sometimes it's not pretty and beautiful, right? So now that you've told us what you're doing now, and this like unbelievable recruiting email that you get that changed your whole life, changed you living on the Northeast, you know, for decades, and all of a sudden you're moving your family down to Tampa, Florida, like. Tell us who you are. Like you're, you know, you started in Los Angeles and like you worked your way out and you, you had some, well, I'll let you tell it, but like, I know a lot about your personal, you know, challenges and obstacles and things that you've come up against that you've overcome. But I think people need to hear that because you have become such a success. Absolutely. I, I coined the phrase product of pain. So, um, and what that basically means is, you know, some of the beauties that we see at the end result comes from a, a lot of pain um, and challenges in the beginning. So for myself, um, being born in Los Angeles, um, mom and dad split when I was maybe two and a half, three. Um, and she moved me and my sister. We moved out to New York. Um, I was raised in a single family home. Single family home situation. Um, me, my sister, and my mom. She was my hero. Struggled to to make the ends meet. Um, worked her butt off to give us the best you know life that we could possibly have. And um, you know, for me, I feel like a lot of my passion came from entertainment because being able to. Being able to entertain was a way to kind of distract me from what was going on around me, right? Like living in, you know, Left Rack City, Queens, which is a great neighborhood. You know, a lot of character came out of that. But, you know, um, I remember walking and seeing crack valves on the floor. Um, I, You know, we were, me and my sister, we shared the same bedroom till we was damn near adults, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, so a lot of those things sparked imagination for me. Um, and it was through my imagination that I was able to kind of escape and become creative and become an ideas guy and become a busybody, right? Um, I had a thought, I, I, let me circle back real quick. So like, so growing up like that, and growing up in, the, in those conditions were, were, were very hard and it, it, it was a struggle, but there's also a part of that uh, experience where it's just like, you don't really even know that you're struggling until you hit certain like pivotal moments in your life, 
right? So I think that the one, the biggest pivotal moment in my life was when I was, I was only 20 years old. My sister was 23 and my sister passed away. So um, I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this day because I was home by myself at the time. And my mom had took my sister to Brooklyn to see family. And I get a phone call and my mom told me that she had just passed out. She's like, she was walking with her. It was a sunny day. It was in May. She passed out and she was rushed to the hospital in Brooklyn. And um, no one knew why or what happened or if there was anything behind that. Um, But once she got to the hospital, you know, I remember visiting her. It was about a week, you know, in and out visiting her. Um, She had a brain aneurysm. So she had internal bleeding inside of her brain. Um, and they were the surgeons were trying to stop it. And in the midst of stopping it and in ICU, um, she had a heart attack. And when she, when she was having the heart attack, there was no nurse in the room at the time. So the alarm went off. Nurses tried to get there in time. By the time they got, she was um, she was pronounced brain dead. Um, and if anybody knows what brain death is, it's basically you are no longer functional. You can't breathe on your own. So she was on a breathing machine. And um, my very last conversation with her was just basically telling her that, like, if you come home, I told her if she came home that she wouldn't have to worry because I would take care of her. And I would get to do all the things that I wanted to do with her. I would never waste time. And that was the last phone call that I had. And the family had to make a tough decision when she was brain dead of what, what to do next. And it was really not what we could do. I wish I could hug you. And my nose is essentially touching the screen. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't even know that it was going to be so painful to say it again, but I guess I just haven't really spoke about it in such a long time. I feel like when you reconnect with like family like i'm looking at you right now and i'm like listening to you tell this story you know and i'm like mm-hmm. i like haven't seen you in years but i just see you like i like i don't know i i there's a comfort level that you probably you know and maybe i'm i'm guessing that you maybe feel when you see us that just kind of makes you want to like talk you know and release and talk about things that are still you know very much on your mind and I remember one of the first times I met you, I saw that your tattoo and I asked about it. You Mm. told me it was for your sister. And I was like, man, there's a real, there's a real story and a real love there. And I like, I, I, I don't know. It's weird to say, but like every time I saw you, I would always make sure 
to like look at it just because I feel like, you know, it's mm. such a part of you and she mm. was such a part of you and still is obviously, but like, I don't know, man. I mean, I think that what I've always loved so much about you, in addition to like the zillions of other things is like, your heart is so pure. It is so good. Like seeing you with kids, seeing you with your kids, seeing you just like, Perform, with your wife, like with your wife, just in with everything you do, your heart is just like it's so good, it's so good, you know. And I, I don't know, maybe you know, I know like your sister and your mom, like I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a huge part of you, you know, and your heart that makes you such a good human, you know, and do and doing all of the good that you do and have done for decades since I've mm-hmm. met you, it's almost been 20 years. Think about all the kids and the staff members who literally the first person they talk to or they talk about when they say who's been the biggest role model in your life. It's Rick Wagner. Mm-hmm. Like I could use probably thousands of kids out there and young, young adults who are now working with kids because of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that was a big pivot, but I and just all the angels to- that are in your life now and yeah. just like filling you with love and giving you that strength and that, you know, light to, to share with others and to bring about. And it's no wonder that you've moved into the direction where you are like a, a, a role model slash teacher professor, because there you belong standing in front of young people and helping to give them direction and giving them that like light and love and all of that energy. And that comes from obviously the experience, but it comes from the people who are still with you too. And, you know, I just want to say, and I, I hope this puts a smile on your face now. Cause I, you know, I, I would love getting emotional with you for a long time, but I also know that you probably don't want to go to those places maybe all the time. Well, but like, yeah. So, the part where it, it, it gets better. It gets uh, better. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I remember that I I can count probably 50 times if I really thought there would be so many moments, whether it be in front of kids at events like, you know, Camp Power fundraising events or whatever, where I would just grab you and I'd be like, Rick, can you say something? Can you do something? Rick, can you do something? Mm -hmm. Do something. And you'd be like, I got you. And you would just survey the crowd and you would look around and you would just go, here we go. And you would just be like... And all of a sudden, everyone would be like, what's going on? And then all right. like everybody would be just focused on you. And you would, you, would, you would take a crowd from nothing to something so beautiful. And I just, I always like admire that so much about you because you turned that skill and that talent into like a business. And I just, I would always take whatever opportunity I had to put you in front of Anybody who would be like, I, I want to hire that guy. Like, I want that guy on my team. I want that guy, blah, blah, blah. And it, I feel like it turned into a lot of stuff. So talk about Project Game Time because I feel yeah, like that's because gonna... I feel like you're, you're, like you said, you know, from all of this pain comes perseverance and, you know, like the beauty of what you're doing right now. So I want to hear also about like, you know, what... What did you become from this? How did you take all of this stuff that is still with you, obviously? And what, what happened? Tell us about 
the good. Yeah. That's sure. a better question than mine. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure y'all was just like, oh, crap. I didn't know we was going to go here. <laughs> I love it. I love it, too. Yeah. I also don't like seeing you in pain. So that's why I was yeah. kind of like touching your nose with my nose. Oh, no. It's, you know, one thing that I've learned about myself is that every time I cry and I'm in pain, I get stronger after that. So thank y'all for helping me continue to heal because every time I, I've hit this type of emotion, I overcome it and I have a wider and a better perspective and view. So getting back to like how this changes, you know, my sister's death, I always explained as the gift and the curse. The curse was obviously that she had to leave a little bit early and you know, it was a painful experience, but the gift that she left me behind was the gift of direction. Because up, in the, up until that moment, I was working at a bank. I mean, think about me now and who you know I'm to be like working at Dime Bank, like for real. You know, um, I was working at Victoria's Secret doing stock. Like it was ridiculous. Weird stuff I was into. Weird, weird, weird stuff. Um, but when she passed, I... um. I made a decision that I was like, I need to know, I need to see the world beyond like Queens and beyond my neighborhood. I need to understand like that there's something more out there. And I'm not sure where that idea just kind of planted it in my head, but it was a feeling that I had. So after getting fired from Dime Bank, <laughs> I went to the daily newspaper and I picked up the paper. I searching, you know, it, I, like I can't afford to get out, but maybe there's jobs somewhere else. And I found that there was a camp job as a camp counselor in uh, New York, in, in uh, Brewster, New York. And I'm like, all right, I'll interview for it and let's see where this lead goes. Now, mind you, before all of this happened, I hadn't like no experience working with youth. I had no desire to work with youth. This had like, it was nowhere in my vision. It was nowhere next to me. So I, I apply for this job and it's one of those, it, you know, what's really funny is that it's so much like the, the camp power model that camp. It's yes. like they took kids from Bronx and Manhattan and from Brooklyn and to show them, you know, a different way. Um, the only difference was Camp Power was a digestible one week and these camps were like eight weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I went up there, um, barely made it past training because I was a, I was just a wreck, like mindset wise. I was like fooling around. Um, but I made it through training. I made it till the kids arrived. So now we let's circle back again to this project. I mean, uh, not even project, so let's circle back to Camp Power. You know that moment at Camp Power that we always wait for when the bus arrives and you line up and you do yes. this and you do, and it's the best thing. It's funny that that happened because I didn't realize until now that that's kind of like what transformed me. Because up until that moment of the kids arriving, I was still like BSing with my life, right? And when the kids got off the bus, I transformed. I turned into this person that was just so um, loving and, 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 and light. And, and I wanted to like, I just wanted to make these kids feel like this was the best place that they could be, the safest place that they could be. So I'm a camp counselor, right? The kids unload their bags. They're going to the, we're going to the dining hall, right? 
I see uh, my other co-counselors, the city director, they're trying to get the kids' attention because these kids are just like, it's goal time, throwing bags, we're wilding out. I grab the mic. I say some shindig. The, the, the inner Scott was on my shoulder telling me, can you do something? And I say yes. And it was that moment that my life transformed. Mm-hmm. I knew what my purpose was. I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I knew that it was going to be connected to use for the rest of my life. Um, so now you fast forward and I'm working with so many different organizations that are youth center stuff. Yeah. After school, summer camp, after school, summer camp, after school, summer camp. A couple of times I was approached, you know, you think about teaching. I wasn't for me. The format wasn't for me. Yeah. I was definitely more of a like, let's get away from the militant, so to speak, type of format. Let's mix it up. Yeah. Right. And, and, and allow me to be myself. Right. Like allow me to be me. I can't do that in, in a system like like that. Like um, I'll build least. a curriculum, but it's going to be wild. It's not going to, it's not right. going to be in a classroom. It's going to be on a playground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so fast forward years into the business, I'm working with youth. And then what I'm finding out is working with, with other organizations that I see a little, I see flaws in organizations as well. I see things that I would kind of do differently and kind of change. I see things that are missing from it, uh, from the top down, and I decided that the next level for me to grow in this space was for me to just create my own. And I needed to know what that experience is like. So in 2011, I created Embassy, which was an after-school program. It was a nonprofit program. Good friends, uh, the Tatelmans helped me out with uh, an initial donation. And I'll never forget that. Thank y'all very much for that. Um, and we lasted about two or three years. Um, working at doing an after school program and a summer camp program in the Bronx. Um, and that experience was incredible to me because I didn't really have the resources to kind of like bring on a bunch of people that could do the work for me. So I had to, you know, find every pro bono situation I possibly could to make this machine work. But then I just I'm a sponge, so I am soaking up all of this stuff. I'm soaking up all this game. I'm, I'm soaking up how the nonprofit model works, and I'm understanding like how this translates to youth and how to report and this, that, and the third. And I'm still making up my mind in my head, like, okay, does this model work for me? Does this model really work for me? Am I a person that's going to sit behind a desk and do nothing but reporting and counting kids as numbers for certain programs and situations like that. Am I the type of person that's going to keep years of records and fine detail? Do I have the resources to do that? No, I don't. So I had to figure out a model that's going to work for who I am and what I could do so that I could be successful. So then comes along two things. It comes along, um, we, talk about, we talk about Camp Power, right? which, which, which uh, Scott and I and, and, and our good friend Raj had, had to sit down and talk about, which I learned a lot from as well, about building relationships with camps. Um, and then years, as we, as we develop, Project Game Time develops. Now, Project Game Time is what started because what I realized and my friends realized and the camps we work with realized is that 
what's really special about the way I'm able to move is that I'm able to engage people, right? And as long as I can keep them engaged, they can learn, right? When people see me do stuff, it does two things. It either motivates them to want to do it, or they look at it like, this is, I can do this. I didn't think I could do this before, but seeing him up there doing it, I can do it too. So it started out as, let's do training. Let's train camp counselors. Let's train youth development specialists on how to engage large crowds of youth. The same way I did back in Clearpool when I, when I took that mic from the counselors and I got all of these kids' attention at one. Let's train them on how they can manage a, a big crowd of kids and keep the, the safe space and also have a fun, energetic good time. Um, and what it developed into was something special. Right. So it started with just training camps in the summer and it was supposed to be just the seasonal thing, but it caught the attention of some schools um, in New York. And from there, uh, we started to train school staff and staff that work at after school. And it wasn't too far from then that, you know, schools are like, hey, could you run an after school program? Of course, I could run an after school program. So you see how these things kind of just, they kind of line and just fall into place. Yeah, but they Um, don't just fall into place. place. That's the thing is, yeah, it's not just, not everybody, not everybody is getting calls from DOE, New York City, because they want to train, they want you to train their staff. Like, you got to be really good at it. You have to be really special. You have to have the right people around you, like, which you're really good at, like surrounding yourself with like people who buy in and who like, you know, really subscribe to your philosophy and like learn from you and then adapt it to themselves. But the reason why I was so excited again, like for a million reasons to have you on is because so many of these like entrepreneurial podcasts are focused on like, how did you turn your, you know, non-profitable or unprofitable company into this like zillion dollar business? But like, I think there's something overlooked in the nonprofit space where like sometimes it's not about like turning an organization or a company or organization into like a billion dollar business that ter- that goes public or whatever right. but it's about like building a nonprofit that sets out to do something and then does it and by doing it like supports and betters and serves so many families, kids and communities out there, which is like exactly what you've done. So like, although the nonprofit space doesn't lend itself to these riches, right. That like these, you know, for-profit businesses sometimes do like Mm -hmm. you're, you're doing things that are making the world truly like a a better place. And And I just, in a way that. that is so unique. Yeah, And so special. Like when we used to work with you on certain projects where we would be going into after school programs or like from the state side, not only from the state side, but anything that we had brought you in on, there was mm-hmm. never a moment in either one of our minds that like it was going to flop. Yeah, like we, we knew we had so much, we had trust. So much trust, but yeah. not only did we have so much trust, like we had trust and that's one thing we knew that when you, when we were leaving, whoever brought us in was going to come running after us and be like, who was that guy? Where did you find, where did you find that guy? And we would be like three, two, 
one. And then the person be like, where'd you get that guy? Yeah. And I feel like one of the things that's so special and that I feel like is really a big moral of the story for you in particular. And like, I feel this way for me right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, in life is that like, luckily very early on through pain and suffering, but also with the guiding light, right. You became a, a round peg in a round hole. And you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And you've had so many years to perfect the craft, you know, like that. I mean, different experiences, of course, lead you in different directions and nothing is linear, of course, but you are exactly where you're supposed to be and you're doing exactly what you're meant to be doing. And if you look down, like back at your path, there's not very many people who can say that they have changed the amount of lives that you've changed. Because again, you know, you, you talking about going into these programs and, and doing all these things and then them moving you along, like you probably can say like, even if there was a room of a hundred people, right? Like at a camp or something like that. And you came in and you changed like 10% of those people's lives. Like that's totally possible. Like that you took that 10 people in that room were like, my whole way of thinking just changed, which is so valid for the kind of program that you would put on. Like mm-hmm. you change lives. Well, and I so also want to along s- the way, you look back and you're like, oh my God. Let her go. What the? I have changed so many lives. I also want to say too, and we will get to a question unless you want to just jump in at this You point. should just give it a woo. Yeah. Just, just acknowledge, Rick, that that's you, major. It's true. I know you probably you're hustling all the time. You're feeding babies. You're you know changing diapers and all this stuff. But I just want to say that, like, and I think you can definitely attest to this too. Like, there's been so many young people who have come through our lives, Camp Power, you know your your school after school programs or whatever it may be who have come through our lives that like have so much potential and you look at them and you're like, God, I just hope this person taps into how good he or she is and and applies it and uses it in the right way. And they don't. And for whatever reason, you know, they derail or life or whatever happens, but what's so gratifying to watch you like, you know, land in this like you know, college professor role in a totally different state is that like you again and again, time and time again, have taken your potential and tapped into it in the most perfect way and applied it in such a way that is so good for you and keeps you building and growing. And also at the same time, helping all the people around you that you're working with do the same. So I don't know. It's a real, it's pretty cool because we've, we've seen, like I said, we've seen so many people not tap into their potential and you continue to do it. And your potential is like endless. And I've always said that there's nobody like you. No, there's no, there is nobody like you. And I think one of the good questions that we ask is like, at what moment did you realize that you were the one, the matrix, (laughs) Neo? (laughs) When did you realize like, I'm, I'm, I know you've talked about when you were on the microphone, but like, give me another one. Right. And you were just like, like, I'm like unstoppable. Because, because the microphone moment was, I think, a moment where you had, where you were enlightened and you were like, and you, yeah. and you felt like that feeling. This is my, part of my person. Purpose. Comfort. And you were like, oh, yeah. I just met myself. 
right? Yeah. But what yeah. point in like your journey were you like, I'm even better at this than I thought. I am like, this is like, I am the one, like I, I am, am the best. Like, <laughs> feel that way. Um, that's a really good question. And I don't know if I could put a timestamp on it, but what I could tell you is that the closest I felt to that feeling probably is not too long ago. I would probably say maybe 2018, 2019 was when I kind of came to this realization where it was just like, wait a minute. I could literally do like what I want if as long as I'm not scared or as long as I understand that it, like fear is just it's just in front of me. I just need to walk past it. It's not a wall. Right. Um, and I think I think that came at that. I want to say the end of 2018 into 2019, because, you know, me of many hats, I was working with the organization at the time um, and doing. Huh? Jersey? Yeah. That was yeah. that was no, I, no, I don't remember, but wasn't that kid? There was one recently where you were like, I gotta get it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. That that was just blank that that, that was yeah, that was just a blackout moment. That was <laughs> me just trying to extend my hand where it didn't need to be. Yeah. Um, and and those happen. And those, and you know what? To me, those type of moments are the moments that are meant for me because it's meant for me to go into these little pockets where I'm in situations that really don't work for me to understand and get right back on my path and to get on my path stronger. I always look at those things, Um, you know, hardships, breakups. Lord knows y'all know I went through some of those as well. Um, and, 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 you know, being in bad you know, work situations, but that wasn't the situation. What I was talking about, I was working with the organization for two years and I was doing curriculum writing for them in music. Um, and I was doing really well, um, received so well by like thousands of teachers. It's probably one of those teachers that I crossed paths with that called the professor and blah, 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 later down the line. But I end up leaving the job. I end up resigning because after two years, I realized I was like, and this is going to come off as arrogant, but I'm just going to say how I'm just going to say how 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 I see it. Like I just realized I was just like um, I'm not going to move up in this in this organization in this model because they're scared of what I can do. Mm-hmm. They're scared of what would happen if I'm put into a position to make some real serious decisions. Um, and when, when I looked at the organization's mission and purpose, what I realized is that the mission and purpose did not match the leadership. So if your purpose is to, is to help people who are marginalized or who are going through the struggle, um, but you do not advise or bring people onto your advisory who reflect that population, then to me, you're not validating the community that you have set out to serve. It doesn't match, especially when you have somebody like myself that has come through that, right? So like when I work with you, Sky and Jack, you know, y'all speak about like, I want you guys up in the front and speaking because you guys are going to speak from this authentic place. And I want that to align and connect with people. I don't want to be the person. So it was, it was the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So when I came to that realization, I said, oh, wait a minute. So those are two things. I was like, that's number one. And I said, number two, no. I said, at this point, I need to um, I need to walk past my fear at this point. And I need to do what what is purposeful for me. Um, I think what um, that was, that was great. I, yeah. I think, and you just touched on it, what um, I think really resonated so much for me when we first started really getting to know each other was like, I... I could just be so genuine with you. Like I could, I could say to you, like Rick and Roger, like I am a white Jewish guy from the suburbs of Massachusetts. Like, I don't know the struggle. I don't understand the pain. I don't understand the challenges like these kids do or like, like you do or or whatever, but like, I want to, I'm, I'm really trying to like understand it, but I never will. And I just need, I need you guys to be aware of the fact that like, I'm never going to fully be there. So I need, I need you guys to understand that. Like, don't expect me to ever be there on your level, but I need you to understand that like, you know, you guys are, are like in a way like the, my voice so that I can, can show that like what we're doing is genuine because I I have no interest in being like the. Hey kids, like I understand what you're going through. Like I don't, I don't. Right. Right. But what I can do is identify and find the people who do, and that mm-hmm. understand and speak the language and can mm-hmm. get to their level. And like, I think one of the most important things that I've ever heard come out of your mouth that I use all the time, kind of like tied to this, but a little bit different, is when you talk about like how Camp Power slows down the speed of life. Yes. And I, I always reference that because it's so perfect, not just for Camp Power, but the way that you talk about, yeah. you know, we got nine-year-olds who are making lunches for their, you know, six-year-old sisters and they're walking their five-year-old brothers to school. And like, it's not money. fair. Like, it's not fair. And I just, I, I have you in my head all the time about the leveling of the playing field and it, how it will never be. Mm-hmm. And I just, this weekend, I played your, words for white Americans, like, what's up white America? Like I, I, I was listening to it. Cause I was just like, I, I need to keep reminding myself and familiarizing and educating myself of like specifically Rick Wagner's thoughts and words, because it helps bring me back to like, this country is so fucked up right now. And like, but there are people like you who can like educate people like us, you know, and, and push us forward. And, you know, so that was a long ramble, but I don't know if you want to take anything I just said. No, it's it's, it's all it, it's all true. It's all relative. We we kind of learn from each other, and I, I've learned a lot from you all, um, both near and far. And I I could be if I'm a hundred percent honest with myself. There were times earlier in our relationship where I questioned y'all your intentions, I where know. I questioned whether you were doing it for the right reasons, um, and. In those type of situations, the only thing that could give you that answer is time, right? Or is he continuing to do this? Is he continuing to spread this word and, and, and speak about his passion? Or did he just fade into black? And you have been more than consistent. You have been persistent, um, damn near aggressive in making sure this message is, is, is out there and being able to leverage the people who, who can speak best to it. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just something to see. And it, it, you know, it's a beautiful thing to see, like, 
you know, when, speaking about like where, where I come from and my family is like, we grew up traumatized, not knowing that that was trauma. We thought that that was normal. So it's not until now we are in our adulthood that these uh, chickens are coming home to roost. And, you know, you, uh, you know, I just a year, maybe a year and a half ago realized that I had, um, I had anxiety. I didn't know. Like I, I didn't know, I, you know, I hit a wall and, and had like trauma over like thinking about my mom passing and, and family and stuff like that. And my body shut down and I went to the hospital and then, you know, it was a like I had a whole ordeal where I had to like understand this, like even down to like emails, like reading emails and looking at them in such a negative light every time, not seeing, you know, things for what they are. So, you know, it takes a it takes a lifetime to heal from the trauma that I have gone through. Um, and, you know, I'm beginning to see the, the other side of it now. And it's almost scary because it's just like, is this like, am I in assimilation? Like, should I even be here? Like, sometimes I question that. But then I also understand this, like, when you are, the more honest that I've become in my life is the, the better my life has been can become. You know, I've always had the heart, but like, you know, first, first you realize and you have knowledge of who you are. Like I realized what my passion and my purpose was. And then there was a struggle of finding how to um, communicate that in a way that all people from all different walks can understand. And then there's a part of finding myself in that, because now it's like, Am I tap dancing for this person and this person? Do I need to be a talk a certain way here or talk a different way here? And I finally found that I can honestly just be myself and move the way I move. And people will accept it for what it is because it's coming from a real place. And that is what just happened like a year or two ago where I was like, okay, I got it. Like I am, I am the bag. I am the, I am the one, right? Like, I don't have to just say yes and sit down for certain situations. I don't need to fear situations. Like I could be myself and, and it, it'll, it's fine. It, you know, it's. Yeah. I think also though, like a lot of that comes with age and, you know, mm-hmm. like, like you said, at people from all walks of life, like we all have shit, right? Like mm-hmm. it looks different for everyone. There's not like one particular form of shit that everyone has stepped in or been a part of or lived through. Um, I think that for me personally, like, you know, I also hit a very low breaking point also like uh, how many years ago was that? Like every year, every year, oh. every uh, single year of my life, maybe no, once a week. No, but that one, that one was oh, like right before, COVID. right before, yeah, yeah. right before COVID. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was having a horrible relationship with my children mm-hmm. and I was having a horrible relationship with my husband <laughs> This is still my husband. Okay, good. Thanks. Thank God. Right. We're in the right Um, place. We're good. We're good. But um, like I was having these horrible situations and I kept looking at myself and being like, it can't be them. It has to be me. Like there has to be something that I am that I'm telling myself or I'm not listening to or I'm not acknowledging or I need someone to validate. Mm -hmm. You know, and I went through and I did the work and, you know, 
like we all have different forms of trauma and we all have a story. And I think if you acknowledge your story and you know who you are and not who you're trying to be, like I can accept what I have gone through and I can accept that that gives me a short fuse. Like that's how I am. I'm going to get mad at you, Scott, within 30 seconds of something that you did. The hammer. (laughs) The hammer. (laughs) Knock, knock. Yeah. I'm going to get mad at you after 30 seconds and I'm going to, then I'm going to, but I know, you know, and then like, I, I feel like that has led me to be such a stronger person and to be able to face some of the fear that I go through when I don't know if I can keep going specifically in my career, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm like certain things that I'm afraid of because I've never done them before, but then I can like tap into myself and I'm like, I have confidence in who I am. I know who I am. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. I know when I need to ask for advice. I know when I need to bring someone else in. And when I walk into a a new situation, I feel empowered because I know myself. And it's also because I fell and but I had the motivation and the strength to pick myself back up and to say, all right, like everyone has a story and everyone has a path. And even when we talk about on a much smaller scale, like we just moved our kids to California from New York and we uprooted them from their lives and their friends and family. Then we moved them across the country. And that's not a huge, you know, uh, like monumental, like negative thing. It's a, it's a positive thing, but it is an enormous change. And it, again, like it's a life quake. It takes their life from one way to another. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about that as like, could we have stayed in this cushy environment and like move them to, you know, a New York suburb or something like that and stayed there? Sure, we could have, but we, we uprooted them and we brought them here. And mm-hmm. that's now part of their story. Yeah, You know, and we can't be afraid of those moments because one day they're going to fall. And then one day, because of what we've done for them or because of what they've been through, they're going to choose to get back up again. And I think acknowledging all of that and saying that, like, it isn't linear and it shouldn't be. And that there are these moments that are going to be life quakes that, like, if you can look back in your thirties or your forties and be like, I know myself and I trust myself. I feel like the world is your oyster, mm-hmm. you know, because Can't, wouldn't you-, you say though, too, like that just meeting and spending so much time with guys like Rick, guys like Roger, people like Chelsea and the list goes changed on and lives. on. They, cha- they changed right. my lives. They, they changed cha- my perception of so many things. My right. perception of myself, right. A hundred percent. Totally. And I how mean, I view the world. I completely I feel so lucky. I feel, I always say that to Scott, we've always talked about is that I I feel so lucky that we have been connected to so many different kinds of people and that we've had such different experiences and listened and heard their stories and they've heard ours and we've just connected on such a human level. And that like, I just feel so fortunate to know people like Mm -hmm. that, um, that can have such influence. And I can feel such love for, um, you know, no matter how much time passes between, but like it, 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 it changed my life. I would say the best moments of my life and the things that I have missed so horribly during COVID have been traveling the country with you. I mean, the list of places that we've been together is bonkers. I mean, crazy Charlotte, Denver, DC, Baltimore, uh, Tampa. We did remember that one. Yeah, Tampa. I was with there Desmond for that Howard. One. I mean, mm-hmm. all across New York City. Uh, Newark, where I think you got 
a job because of what you were doing at a state backdrop. Oh yeah. 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 On the Beyonce tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think LA you were, Oh, the honest backdrop in the Valley. Oh yeah. Jessica yeah. Alba. Jessica Alba. With the whistles. Jack's idea. Horrible. <laughs> I own it. I own it. Terrible um, idea. I don't know. I mean, there's just yeah. Anyway, I, I miss I just miss being on the road with you guys and Rick would just one word or saying he would show up at the airport and he would be like, Yam sandwich. And we'd be like, <laughs> What? And then he would just would, none of us would understand what he was talking about. But then he would lean into it for two days and it would just become the funniest. You gotta accept it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so feeding you generic, not even generic, synthetic slang. Things yeah. that I make up in my mind. The randomness that we've had is incredible. It's been so um we've been so random that we've we damn near created our own language. Yeah. And I don't think we all still understand everything we say is just a mutual agreement. That it's either hilarious or we're gonna let it pass because we're not gonna we're gonna make sense of it in, in however we can. Rick, dude, this has been the best, man. I, I miss you so much. I'm yeah. so happy you're happy. I I love seeing the baby. I love seeing you guys just, you know, doing your thing. Yeah, with the uh, jumpsuits. Yeah. Any final, any final messages for aspiring or current entrepreneurs like yourself? Oh man. Um, dedicate at least 10% of your time when you're not working to find yourself, understand who you are, understand what you do really well, and put time into trying to describe that in words because it's going to really translate well when you go out there. People will always follow you or your business because they like who you are. But the minute you th- you can understand how to explain it and then how to model it, your business will grow because you'll have other people that can be not quite like you, but share the same kind of passion and skill and can do it in another. And they will have their own following and they'll grow and you'll grow while they grow. So, yeah, find yourself, understand yourself. And that's amazing advice. It's everything. Yeah. He does it again, Mr. Wagner. I'm playing bass. I appreciate y'all. All All right, man. Appreciate you. We miss you, buddy. Say hi to everybody. Thanks for doing this. Squeeze. I will totally give the baby a squeeze. Um, I know y'all seen all the pictures on social media, but when I go to visit my my aunties out there, how are are y'all in north or what part of Cali? You're north, right? You're by the bay, further up than the bay. Yeah. Yeah. Warrior territory. Oh. Yeah, we're north of San Francisco. I think they call it the North Bay. Yeah, we're just damn near Seattle. We are raincoats. Dude, we have no idea where we are. We were up on a hill the other day and Scott's like, I think that's the, and I'm like, I have no idea where I am. Definitely, definitely don't bring raincoats. You're not going to need them. Unfortunately, it hasn't rained here in a very long time, which is a problem, but you know. Anyway, we want to see you. So please let us know when you're in town. We'll We'll figure something out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the kids a drone so they give me some footage of all the mountains I got over there. Yeah, yeah. and we won't know how to work it, so that'll be perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. God bless you both. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. God bless it. you, Rick, and the whole Love family. you, buddy. Love you. Love you, too. Take care. That's it. Episode four with Mr. Wagner. I love him so much. I think that was pretty apparent. 
Anyway, stay tuned for episodes 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 if I can confirm Jacqueline's schedule. Mm, that was from your style. And, and signing off. <laughs> <laughs>